0: Hello and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, the Grant Alexander. And joining us this week uh, is the Adam Mackey. What? <laughs> Hi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Morley Kurt. Hello.
0: And the Eve from Projects and Things.
2: Hello, everybody.
0: So, Eve, or should we call you Yves? Is it Yves?
2: Yeah, so, some people do, and then then I kind of stop responding.
0: <laughs> all right, so I'll try not to do that too much. Um, Eve, why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Yes, thank you, Grant. Um, I'm a, a little bit like like you guys. I'm a I'm a maker, and I kind of have been since I was a, a little kid. And I now have a YouTube channel. And if I could, I would spend all my time making things and showing the world's what i make and then how to make stuff because i think it's fantastic um i'm let's see i'm 30 i can i'm going to be 35 somewhere like that that seems scary old sometimes but um and uh, i live in belgium i have two kids and i'm uh, yeah i'm super passionate about making stuff that's it nice so belgium's in germany right yes exactly <laughs> yeah We're the capital of Germany. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing I heard last a couple of of weeks ago was someone talking about how Belgium is the capital of Brussels, and I was like, "You're so close! You're Mm. so close!" (laughs) Uh, I was super amazed uh, that people that know the country and know the capital, but flip. Yeah. Well, Brussels seems bigger than Belgium.
0: I will say. I hear more about Brussels in my day-to-day mm-hmm. life than I hear about Belgium.
2: Legitimately. It's it's a very, very tiny country. There's like 10 million people in it. And Brussels is like the hub of Europe. So it's, it's a very weird dichotomy between oh, there's yeah. a lot happening here and there's the European parliament and there's tons of important things being decided in a country the size of like a pinprick.
1: So. Well, it's funny. It's kind of like uh, Washington, D.C. in the States. Um, it's... I mean, when DC was created, it was this random swamp uh, in the middle – at that point in the middle of the US. And um, it's now grown into like this like metropolis, but it's just this kind of
2: random place. Ah. Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, Eve, what's in your clamps this week?
2: My clamps this week is um, I I did something that's going to enrage most of the internet or at least the trolls. Um, I bought a 177 year old Swedish bed, like a, a nice wooden handcrafted. I think it was a kid's bed. It was one of those beds that you can sort of slide apart to make wider, not, not longer, but just like put two people in it or take it down. And I cut it up into a ton of pieces And, um, so I'm not redoing it. I'm not restoring it. I'm literally chopping it up into pieces and it's going to be the face frame of, do you guys know what a cupboard bed is? Like, um, in a lot of these old Swedish houses, it's essentially, it's like a bed. You can have curtains that you can close and it's like your, your entire bed area is enclosed Uh, in a cabinet. So I really wanted to make that for my son. Interesting. So he's now almost five. He got like a big boy bed and I was like, oh, this could be cool with like a platform up top and a lot of, a lot of things around it. And then my wife found this old bed and I go like, oh, I know what that can be. That can be the nice frame because here's my thoughts around it. I don't like the fact that from a bed, most of the time you can only see one or maybe two sides because the rest is against the wall or hidden somewhere. So I was like, how can I show all four sides of right. this beautiful thing and the answer was take a japanese pull saw to it cut it up (laughs) and so i've started that process (laughs) the beds ripped apart and now i'm building up the rest of the construction and later all sides are going to be sort of opened up the way you would open up a cardboard box like you flip 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 it open and then it's going to be i'm I'm doing things with my hands that none of the listeners can see but essentially i'm going to flip the side of the bed up. Well, they'll have to watch the YouTube video for this if part. They have to watch that. <laughs> that. They can do too. And so that's going to be um, a long-term project of, I think, maybe three or four weeks before all of that's finished. And um, in between, I'm, uh, I've am i been also testing out uh, making cutting boards, which has been a learning experience. That's me. Cool.
0: Fun. The cutting boards are always a good video. Uh, seemingly on YouTube, I've seen them launch a lot of people's uh, YouTube careers. So, good luck with that. My, oh, my thank you. <laughs> you have to make a really nice, a, a really nice one to get it. To... I saw a guy; oh, he, wow. he just made a walnut cutting board, just an edge grain walnut cutting board. One point two million views. He was at a thousand subscribers when he put it out.
2: Wow! Wow!
0: And now he's at like thirty thousand.
2: The right cutting board at the right time. Right. Damn, okay. I'm going to put some extra effort into video then. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's all about the thumbnail. It's all about the thumbnail. Yeah. Uh, Morley, what have you been up to? What's in your Um, thoughts?
1: So I finished up and put out the video for the bed drawers. And um, if it is all about the thumbnails, I feel like I got a pretty sweet thumbnail for this one. Um, Yeah, I was very happy with the video. It got a good amount of traction on Reddit, which is always fun get some new eyeballs on the channel and yeah so that was a, that was a yeah that was a, that was a fun one to um, finish up because I've literally been working on it for like months It was one of those projects that I started like way before the move and then had to like put it off for a while um, so there's anyone who hasn't seen my videos before who's watching it, I feel like it still makes sense like where things are happening. But, um, I'm curious if it's clear to them that it is in two like completely different apartments, most of the building. Um, yeah,
0: I, I don't think most people noticed.
1: yeah, I don't think it matters. anyway, it was a good I was really happy with the video. Um I am the cardboard project that I mentioned uh, last week is progressing along nicely. I still don't want to say exactly what it is because it's one of those projects where like I don't want anyone's input. I just want to only show it when it is completely done so that I don't have any, like any other opinions, sort of like informing my process.
0: Can I give you some input on that? Sure. (laughs) No, just joking. Uh, (laughs) I've got no input to give. I just thought it'd be funny.
1: Yeah. So, so it's at a point now where it is usable. um, But I want to make it bigger. So it works better. And the original sort of impetus for this was we had all of these boxes from moving. We had like tons and tons of boxes. So I wanted to use those up and I have long since used those up. So I'm now um, getting boxes from Eden's work because they, when they get food deliveries, they just get like tons of cardboard boxes that they just recycle. So it's like the best box source in the world. So um, I'll probably pick up some more tomorrow. And I think that'll be like the last trip I need to finish it off and yeah, if depending on when I get it done, I might get the video done by the time this episode comes out. But um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's a really fun project.
3: You you left your cardboard castle in the
1: background. I know. <laughs> well, those are just the remnants, so it doesn't reveal anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what it's about you, Adam? What's in your new clamps?
3: Uh, this week, I've just been working on the drawers for my new workbench. Um but I've run out of material. So pretty much done with that for now, but I cut all the, I don't really know what the parts of a drawer record, but I've cut like the sides of each drawer in the back and front. And then I just need to, I was going to use plywood to make the base, but I think I'm going to use MDF because I really don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a sheet of plywood just for drawer bottoms. Um, which I mean, I'm only going to be putting tools in there. It's not too big of a concern. And if, I use MDF and it fails. It's not that expensive to replace it. Well, MDF is strong. Uh, I mean, like
1: it's, uh, I mean, considering, depending (laughs) on how thick you're using, like it should be good.
3: Yeah. It's going to be three quarters of an inch.
1: Oh yeah. That'll be, that'll be plenty strong. Yeah.
3: But, and it's, it's also going to be instead of like screwed to the bottom of the drawer, it's going to be inset in the bottom of the drawer and then screwed in. So the weight will be on like the edge of the screw, not pulling out. Um, and then yeah and then just draw fronts do the top install the table sword and I'm pretty much done nice yeah. it's very oh, cool what
0: what's in my clamps you ask oh no I didn't <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh well this week I've been working on uh my putting trim in my closet uh it's like the last bit of trim that I need to put in and uh I uh I've, I've, I've finally figured out or I've finally done the little hack where you, uh, when when you want trim to match up, you don't just cut it on 45s because it'll never match up nicely. You use you use like a scroll saw or jigsaw or a coping saw mm. to cut the pattern out. And what I've always done in the past is is put a flat bit on top and drawn the pattern and then just cut it. Uh, but what I've, I learned is that if you take a, if you cut it on a 45 degree like bevel like from my new dual bevel miter saw can uh, tilt the the head over sideways 45 mm-hmm. degrees uh, and you cut it off you can then just follow the line that's left over from that cut and you get a oh. perfect like that if you follow the line perfectly it works um it's, it's same if you had cut it like 45 degrees cr- cross cut it on the table saw but when you're dealing with longer pieces of trim, it's it's kind of annoying to try and slide that on the table saw. Uh, but that trick just made things so much easier. So I've been doing that, and then focusing on uh, in making my coping saw skills better. Um, so I had to redo some of them because I, I was not very good at coping.
1: Is that the like original use case for a coping saw for cutting uh, trim? I don't know what coping is.
0: I've heard that term, so maybe. Yeah, that might make sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, a coped rat. So it's a type of joint, a coped joint.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's versus a miter joint, and I think it's basically like the joint you were just talking about. That is a coped joint.
0: Well, then that makes sense. Why I was using my coping saw.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what a coping saw is. No, me neither. Uh, is that the one that's in like the box where it's like on a 45 and it stays in the in the sliding in the box? No. no. Okay, actually, I have hey, one right here is? if you give me one moment. Yes. This is it, a coping saw. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, oh. got it. Now I know what you yeah, mean. So, so for the listeners, it's like a... A handheld like scroll saw. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or it looks a lot like a what? jeweler's saw or yeah. a fret saw.
3: I don't know why I always thought that they were to do with metalwork and not woodwork. Probably. Well, the jeweler saws are.
0: Yeah.
1: And they look identical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. And the other thing I've been working on is I was doing some uh, forced perspective photography. It's uh, I took the little toy car that I made for my son and I tried to make it look like it was the same size as the real thing. Um, by putting it really close to the camera and the car really far away from the camera. Uh, And that was an interesting thing because it's really snowy out right now. And to try and get things that were, uh, that I was just basically lying down in the snow for like 30 minutes. Fun. (laughs) So that was fun. Uh, But I think think the snow
3: makes it look better.
0: Yeah. The snow definitely helped the transition between uh, like the foreground and the background made it, seem like it was like you can't tell where it stops and where it begins but no. it also meant that i was laying in the snow mm. and and trying it was well.
3: really good Bob. yes
0: yeah. uh and i'm hoping that i will get a fun like opening sequence or closing sequence i haven't decided yet where i actually like pick up put down the car in front and they're the same size So I did like a little video where it's like my hand comes and grabs the car and it's like the same size as the real car. We'll see. We'll see if it turned out the way it looks in my mind. But (laughs) in thinking about that, the first thing that uh, my son did when he got this car is that he wanted something to put on the roof rack. So we took a, a trip to the local hardwood store, which is the garage. And I got him some scrap wood and we, uh, we strapped some to the top. We put some in the trunk. And, uh, it's one of those things that I, I really like the fact that my son wants to get into making things and woodworking and he pretends to make things and he pretends like the table the, the coffee table. He says, that's the table saw. And then he'll take wood and just like push it through irrespective of where the blade goes, he's not very afraid of this imaginary blade. <laughs> <laughs> but I, thought, I, I thought it'd be a good thing for us to chat about. is just, you know, getting youth into making. And since we have uh, Eve here, who's uh, got some kids and he's recently put out a video where he had a, a, a youth uh, on his uh, building with him, I thought it'd be a good thing to ask him about.
2: Yes, correctly. I had some uh, juvenile delinquency uh, helping me to make a skateboard. that was actually super fun because I uh, so far, I've been doing a lot of things with my son and he's or almost five. So you really have to keep him away from spinning blades and stuff like that. But doing this thing with a, a 12 or 13 year old was was very interesting because the mom in this case was a little bit afraid of like, yeah, what can he do? What can he not do? Because the, the, the kid in this case was not familiar with tools, but he wanted... He's uh, learning how to skateboard, and he really wanted to have a skateboard rack to hold three skateboards. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, cool, I can make it for you, or we can make it together. And instantly he was like, bing, oh yeah, of course, let's do that. So I think the only thing that I took away or or did myself was cutting a big sheet of plywood down to a few strips on the table saw, but then almost every other um act or what do you call it every other like part of the build was done by him so that was very interesting um the 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 main whoops the main thing that i i take away from it is i don't know if you guys listened to the the fools with tools podcast a few weeks ago where laura kampf was on because at a certain point she echoed my thoughts Mm. about this exactly she was saying like um She's like, okay, you have to keep kids away from like, you can't let a five-year-old weld anything or, or put them like close to a table saw, but it, it doesn't have to be that kids will always be relegated to paper, cardboard, and craft glue. Like they can learn about welding. They can learn about bigger tools. They can learn about all these things and still do some of them and that's basically what i've been trying with my son like I've, I've cut things on a bandsaw with him where i essentially i hold his hands and we're like slowly pushing things through the saw it's for him to get a feel for it and he's he's mm-hmm. working with hot glue and 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 he's working with like sharp knives i give him like a sharp knife and I go like watch out dude you can cut yourself and then he's trying to cut things and every once in a while he will nick his finger but hey grant sorry go ahead
0: no, don't worry. When I, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing that that reminds me of is when I was, uh, a kid and my dad would like sit me on his knee and let me drive the car.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. And, like obviously not on a road or anything like that, but you're, you know, if you're in a field or something or a parking lot, you know, you get to drive the car for a little bit and, it's like, obviously I can't drive the car. I I couldn't reach the pedals or anything like that, but I could hold onto the steering wheel on my dad's lap and pretend. Um, and I always think it's funny that exactly. It's not like I, I got regulated to just playing with a toy car. right? It's, you can try these bigger, more fun things like that, uh, with the proper supervision.
2: Because the cool thing about it is it's not even pretending like the moment you were standing on your father's lap driving the car, you were actually driving the car, okay, That was the part missing of you, braking and gas, and all that stuff. But you were physically making a move and then feeling the consequences of that move. and that's what I think is when yeah. when you see like the cogs in his head turn when he like when he pushes something against the saw or he takes like a battery powered drill and he's drilling a hole in something you see him go like oh wow this thing pulls away from me if i would if he would hold it very gingerly like it would actually smack him in the face so so slowly you see these things like process in his brain of like oh things have consequences and and and, and that's i find very very interesting mm-hmm because as long as yeah grant my uh
1: i was just gonna say my dad would let me do the same thing when i was a kid i would uh sit on his lap and he'd let me steer or even when i got a little older like young teen was really itching to drive but like it wasn't old yet he would let me like he would take his hands off the wheel i would reach over and drive us home (laughs) wow (laughs) which is always wow a lot of fun
0: (laughs) that does sound like sounds safe (laughs) (laughs)
1: I mean, but he's always right there, right? I mean, it's kind of like when you're you're letting – No, but it's it's interesting because it relates to the uh, like letting your kids make. It's like to me, it felt like I had all this power. But to him, it's like he could always just reach over, grab the wheel. Uh, I even remember like with my uncle once, he was driving me and my cousin home and he was like, okay, um, I'm only going to drive where you guys tell me to drive um, because I want to see if you know how to get home. So we, at every intersection, we would have to tell him, go left, go right, go straight. And he's like, are you sure? (laughs) Or like, I think so. And like, we eventually kind of found our way home. That's cool. My son could probably do that.
3: I have a memory driving along the main road. I even remember the road and everything. And my dad just took his hands off the wheel, bent down and started tying his shoe. And I'm just like, what the, f- what the hell? And then I grab the steering wheel, and I'm like, Dad, there's a roundabout coming up. What, what are you doing? And he goes, Don't worry, you've got this.
0: Oh, <laughs> just <wow>. kept <laughs> tiny I'm like, what the hell?
1: <laughs> that's another approach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> T- trial by fire.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's. that's but good. I think that that kind of brings us to something that I wanted to bring up here, which is, you got to pick things that make sense with your, your kids abilities, but you should never mm. underestimate their abilities. Um, and why I bring that up is because I was, I, I often think like, how do I get Fletcher involved more with what I'm doing and making out in the garage? And I go like, there's a lot of power tools that seem scary. Maybe he can sand something, but I was on the internet the other day and some, in some Facebook group, there's this two year old and they look like a two year old, like, very, very young with a hammer and they were just hammering in nails after nail after nail. So right? that. Yeah, and I just go, well, why couldn't I teach my son how to do that, right? Yeah. I didn't do it, but I, I kept thinking about it, going, I could just set him up with some nails that he pounds and he already has like a plastic version of that. Why don't we make him something, actually make something out of it?
2: Here's actually, there's a great tip for you, Is like tiny tools, like all the time, whenever me and my son are somewhere in a hardware store or me by myself, whenever I find a tiny version of an actual tool, not a plastic hammer, but if I find a tiny hammer or tiny pliers or a tiny knife, I just buy them. And that's his stuff. Like he has miniature versions of all the things I have. And with the hammer, you can actually smack yourself in the finger and you can cut yourself with the knife. And <laughs> But he works alongside <laughs> me and it it really works because it's not like he he used to have um and my daughter used it for a bit as well like a kid's um like workbench so it was plastic hammers plastic everything Mm -hmm. and they did it for five seconds and then they were like yeah no this isn't a real hammer like i can't i can i can hit my sister with it but it's not it's not fun and so those things really went away (laughs) rather rather quick not that i want them to hit sister with a hammer but um, you saw that they would do stuff and go like, yeah, but this is not like in the workshop. Like this isn't real. And as soon as we went to a store somewhere and he, I, the first thing I found was tiny pliers and he's like, oh my God, those are pliers. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want them? He's like, no, I do. And then he just went home and he would just, just squeeze things. Like take a piece <laughs> of um, <laughs> like electricity wire and just squeeze it and bend it. And he was kind of doing what Morley did a while ago, making like um, bent wire uh, sculptures. And we started making dinosaurs. And I go like, this is amazing. And that's when that thing for me started turning like, okay, tiny tools is, is it's a way in, right? For, because then you can do another thing. You can actually gauge how interested they are because it's not necessarily in this case, daddy's pushing something on them. I just go like, look, there's a bunch of tools. They're on your height. They're your size. What do you want to do? And I usually, I offer them like cardboard or something. Say, like, no, 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 no. Give me that. Give me that piece of pine over there. And then it just starts. Well, destroying things. <laughs> Give me that expensive hardwood
1: you just bought. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, giving your kids tools is huge. And um, like I was really into skateboarding as a young kid. And then before that, I was into just like taking stuff apart or, or whatever else. And so pretty, pretty early on, my dad got sick of me borrowing and losing his tools. So what he started doing is just like if he had duplicates of something, he, I mean, one birthday he gave me a toolbox and then he started giving me some of his old tools to fill that toolbox. And then all of a sudden I started caring about that. And then I started sort of like going off and using things on my own. Um, And actually one experience that really sticks out in my head is um, I was building a model with my grandpa and he had these green side cutters, like the side cutter pliers. And like he was, he was doing a lot of the work, and I remember. Uh, okay, Adam's back. That was weird. Um, <laughs> he was uh, that was weird. Yeah, I've lost Grant, but okay, maybe he'll pop back. Anyways, if I keep talking, maybe everything will uh, shake out by the time. Uh, now I can't hear Grant. I don't know what's going on, but he was doing all these things with a tool. And then, at the end of this day of building the model with me, he then gave me those pliers. And for me, I realized like I now know how powerful this tool is, because I saw my grandpa use it to do like all these things. So very soon it became like my favorite tool. I was like, these are the best thing in the world, because I saw my grandpa like do all these things with him. And it was a very linear like A to B uh, like ups my interest in tools astronomically.
0: So one of the things I had as a kid is in my own wooden toolbox with some tools in it, like uh, screwdrivers, pliers, a little hand plane um, that was dull, which is the unfortunate part. And I've tried sharpening it, and I've and it just will not get sharp. I don't. It will not cut through wood. And but it was like a little miniature uh, hand plane. It was just still kind of cool. I still have it. Is it plastic? Um, no, it's metal with a metal blade. It's it's a real <laughs> well, hand plane. I just can't That's get tricky. it sharp for some reason. Can't get it to cut wood. Like it feels sharp, but it just won't cut the wood. Like it's just, hmm. and it's very difficult to adjust it. It's like a, I don't know, a really, really, really cheap hand plane is hmm. what I think
2: it is. I think uh, we all had that toolbox. Isn't it the wooden toolbox that kind of folds open? Yeah. Yeah. I think I it had like, the same as a kid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and like the inside is like, the, uh, mine was missing all the tools when I got it. And then my dad gave me some tools over time and like, they didn't really fit in the toolbox. Like the toolbox has been made for specific tools, nothing I put in there fit, but I still have it. And I still have the tools that didn't fit into it. Um, It's something that I want to like give to my kids. And I didn't, I guess I never really realized that my dad gave me miniature tools. I never thought of it that way, but he totally did. Um, I didn't really, I don't know. Brings me, gets me thinking and, and nostalgic a bit and wondering, you know, what I can do
2: hmm. for
0: my son to get him more into making. He wants to make things. He comes up and like just makes things randomly that aren't actually like in his mind he's making something, but in reality he's not. Um, and I guess it's one of those things I know Adam was working on these that you had like a build with your kids. Uh, yeah. Thought. I upstairs. need
3: to make more episodes. So yeah. downstairs in my, in my shop, I have currently four puzzles that are cut out, uh, ready for him to cut up into actual puzzles. So it's just like dinosaurs cut into a shape and then I'm going to get him on the scroll saw to actually go ham and cut whatever shape he wants. I think that's a really good project for kids because you don't need to follow lines. It's literally just cut whatever you want and then it'll all just match up. Um, but I just... I don't know. It got away from me. Haven't really had the time, haven't found time to do it with him, but hopefully I can try and get it done soon. But I love that idea of like giving a kid a toolbox of tools that they can just play with whatever they want, do whatever they want with it.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think all kids are makers fundamentally. I think kids are kind of born makers. Um, It's very natural for them, right? Like, I mean, as a kid, I, if I wanted a, a fort for my GI Joe's, I would make it. Um, like you it's just the thing to do uh it's i think the the more like modern maker movement i think is more like a product of adulthood and the institutions of modern life that take us away from making so i think for kids it's mostly a matter of like giving them a way to act out that making instinct
3: in in saying that i think that um if you're going to try and get your kids into making and stuff you really need to focus on safety because kids know no fear yeah. As Grant so. said, when his son uses the coffee table, he doesn't think about the blade. And of course, you know, a four-year-old four is not going to be pushing wood through a table saw. But like when I use when I get my son to use a scroll saw, I'm not just going to give him wood and say, here, go for it. I'm going to hold his hands and help him with it. And after a few times, he'll probably be good where we don't need to really worry. A scroll saw is not really going to cut you that well anyway. Um, but yeah, so... uh, I think safety is a a very, very important thing.
1: I'm not sure if I told this story on the podcast before, but when I was like eight or nine years old, uh, me and my cousin wanted to make walking sticks one summer day. So like we found like the perfect stick in the woods. And then uh, he lived right next door to my grandparents. So we went over to my grandpa's house and we said uh, like, grandpa, like can we, we want to like carve these down. So he gave us some chisels to carve down the walking stick. So we were in this backyard carving the walking sticks. Again, this is video content, but I was, I'll was i try to describe it. I was holding the walking stick with one hand, holding the chisel with the other, scraping the bark off towards my hand. You can see where this is going. The chisel <laughs> slipped and it went right into the center of the palm of my hand. Oh, um, ouch. I filled I filled, cupped my hands together and they filled with blood. That is like the most vivid memory I have from that. Um, had to go to the emergency room. They, they, they did use that glue where they like kind of glue, stitch it together. Um, and after that I respected the chisel a lot more, but you know, it it, like, it wasn't a traumatic experience really. It was just like, Oh no. And, uh, I mean, I would have to ask my parents how traumatic it was for them, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's like just, it's just a flesh wound on your hand. It's like, you're not losing any fingers. It's not a head, head injury, anything like that. Um, but yeah, safety for sure. You're right. Kids know no fear when it comes. To, I I wasn't scared. I was just like, oh, I guess I shouldn't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember in grade six, uh, we had a teacher who I think at one point just wanted to be a shop teacher. But in elementary schools across the Canada, or across Ontario at least, they took all the shop classes away, um, and they basically like this this teacher now was just a grade six teacher instead of a grade six you know shop teacher. Um, so he had in his classroom, a shop set up where he had like saws and wood and miter boxes yeah. and all that fun stuff. And he used to whittle away while he was at his desk. Like he was sitting, chatting with the student, the student would come up and ask a question or something. He'd be like whittling something. And I remember one day with a utility knife, he was whittling away and it slipped and he took a major chunk off his finger,
3: ooh, oh, wow. like a
0: yeah, a pretty like down. Imagine to the explaining
3: bone that to your boss,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, why the hell
3: were you doing that?
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, anyways, I, remember- I really enjoyed that class because it was one of those things where he would just like the tools were there and you had time to use them, and you got obviously mm. instruction on how to use a saw a little bit and how to use a knife and. And I just remember using a knife to carve out. How
3: not to use uh, a knife?
0: Yeah, and we we would carve out and make uh, like pencil uh, crossbows for. So we just like carve out the center of a of a board and use elastics to make a crossbow that would oh, shoot yeah. pencils. Yes, and
2: yeah, right. that was
0: dangerous, but you know you did what you could. And I think the fingers. You know, we're talking about the sixties here.
2: <laughs> the, stuff, the stuff you guys were saying about um about the uh someone losing a finger or cutting themselves i think that ties into teaching kids about safety because there's there's two ways to do it you can hurt yourself or you can actually see someone else that actively gets hurt or has gotten hurt in the past for me there were two of those instances where like my grandfather was missing part of his pinky and it was a an accident in a factory years ago way before i was born but we were also, we were making stuff. We would make like kind of long bows, just like a stick with a string and they would like whittle down sticks to make arrows and then we would shoot them. And every couple of weeks, the, the arrows or the, the bows would break and we would make new ones. And so that was kind of the working with my grandfather was just like him whittling away at sticks. And well, as he was doing it, we can kind of always get a good glimpse of his finger. And we're like, what happened there? And he would tell the story of like getting caught in a, in a machine and that sticks with you and they go oh that's dangerous and then i noticed Mm. after so many years that Mm. my grandmother was missing her ring finger and i go grandma you have nine fingers she's like yep i go i'm like nine how the hell did i never see this before and so she told the story and it wasn't even a a making or 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 sort of what do you call it or or like um, um tool related incident she was Um, they worked on a farm and she was like putting up hay on top of those big carts behind tractors i know what you call those and they were up on top pulling the last hay in. she jumps off and gets caught with her wedding ring behind part of the Mm. cart she lands on the floor the finger stays upstairs yeah and yeah and Hmm. That like because that image gets burned so hard. you 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 just hear a story you never saw a picture nothing like that it's just so vivid in your mind to go like okay things can rip fingers off
3: yeah do we need to make wow. this uh, episode explicit now
0: <laughs> I don't think it needs to be explicit we should have a graphic content warning right before that story yeah
1: <laughs> so so Adam I don't know if anyone has uh, told you this. At your BJJ sessions so far, but you should take off any rings before mm. you start.
3: Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I've had to take you out by stretches because uh, that's very painful when someone's trying to strangle you and you is folded off the wrong way and you have a big earring in there. Yeah. Yeah. I wore my necklace the first day and um, I didn't think anything of it and we're wrestling around and stuff and it, it was all good and well. And then my mate's trying to choke me and I'm just like, like in agony because my, Chains just like digging into me, and the trainer comes up and he's like, You need to take your jewelry off. Like, yeah. you can't do that. I wear my yeah. ring butt. I, um, I, oh, wait, no, I don't. No, I, I was at first, but I took it off. Um, so I have a story when I was in year nine. I don't know what that would be for you guys. Grade, um, we
0: call it grade nine.
3: Yeah, same thing. Well, no, because we, so we do grade one through six, and then you go into high school, which is grade seven through 12. So, would nine be middle school? Maybe I don't know. Or do you nine do is high, at, high school? It'd it's be high similar. School it depends on where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, we we're in shop class, and someone was using the bandsaw. Didn't think anything of it, and someone just like screamed and stopped the bandsaw. And the dude working on the bandsaw was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Didn't even notice that he had cut his finger almost completely off, and until he saw the finger. He had no pain. And then he looked at the finger and just, like, lost it. He's, like, screaming his head off in agony. And it's, I don't know, it always has sucked to me how he just didn't feel it. Was he on drugs? No.
0: Because, like, a lot I, of the I, kids in my high school were on drugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
3: I mean, I don't i don't know the dude personally. Maybe he was, but I well, think he was it just, kind of like, in his element. You know when you're just so yeah. distracted that you don't notice something until... Like how many people have you seen? Well, like on video and stuff that have like broken their ankle or something, and then they don't even know it until someone tells them, yeah. and they're like, "Oh crap,
1: that hurts!" Yeah. So I mean, there's the shock, and then probably part of it as well was the vibration of the bandsaw desensitized his fingers to it in the moment. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty crazy, but
0: well let's uh let's transition
1: away from the graphic content yeah,
0: yeah let's get back into the youth and making yeah um beyond tiny tools, what are some other- str- strategies everyone has to try and help youth get into making
1: well I have one I've, uh, just quickly um what was always very empowering for me as a kid was when like my dad would give me um a project to do that felt important, so he was like mm. we're we're when they when they got um, their house in Cape Cod, where there was this old barn on the property. And in the loft of the barn, that was going to be like, if we had like extra kids over in the summer, they would sleep up there. So he was like, we need some really simple beds to put up there. So he was like, we have all these pallets. Um, I want you to like modify these pallets so we can just put mattresses on them. So they're just raised slightly off the floor. And we were like, like, aye, aye, Cap'n, like that's a, uh, you know, it's like part of a cause. And so we spent, me and my friends spent like like a whole day like building all these beds and it was like so fulfilling because then like we would sleep on them and it was like, you kind of like got the fruits of your labor that way. Um, so I think if you can give your kids a project that feels like it matters, um, then you get the payoff, not like there's the payoff of making when like you see something in your head become reality, but then there's the other payoff where then it's useful and like you see other people use it as well. And that's the whole like, other side of it. Mm -hmm.
3: I've never really thought about this that much, but I remember like being a kid, like one of the things that got me into doing stuff with my hands was just pulling stuff apart. I would pull like if a VCR was gonna go if Molly even knows what it is, was gonna go out on the junk pile, I would I would go grab it and just get a screwdriver and pull it apart. And I've never really thought about it but if we're going to throw away some stuff, I should just give it to my son and say, hey, here's a screwdriver. If you want, pull it apart. If you don't, just throw it in the bin. That's fine. But I think doing stuff like that, like just getting him used to using his hands and see if he's interested in it, it's probably going to help. Because honestly, like if a kid's not interested, they're not going to want to do it. My son doesn't ask me to come work in the shop. But if I said to him, hey, do you want to go in there? He will most likely come in. Whether he's interested or not, I haven't really gauged that yet. Mm. But
2: the interest needs to be there as well. Exactly the.
0: Well, I think what. Well,
2: no, I was just go gonna ahead. say that. Um, what what Morley's uh, what Morley was saying before about um, with like making something that you want. It's like that's my go to for for my kids i mean my daughter doesn't really ask for much she's just two she just plays with things that are there but what i didn't like when i was growing up is like i would ask something of my parents like oh i want this thing as a kid and the answer would be yeah no either like no because it's too expensive no you already have toys Mm -hmm. no and then sometimes um we would me and my brother would get the idea of like oh maybe we can make it like we would never get guns like guns were like a big thing in our house no guns but we were like, Can we have some nails and some yeah, boards? Same. And we're gonna bake just a huge <laughs> gun. And my dad would be like, Yeah, no problem, go ahead. And so <laughs> I then I do that with my son now. He comes up, he's like, Oh my god, Daddy, I want the last thing he said to me was like, Daddy, I want to have a Bugatti Veyron. And I go, Sure. <laughs> Everyone wants a Bugatti Veyron. <laughs> I'm like, but no, I, I'm like, I don't know where we're going to get one. I was like, I don't even know where we're going to get the toy version of that. And I said, let's make it. And so we made the, uh, what's the best word for it? Crappiest Bugatti Veyron on the planet out of wood. And we put it on the base of another toy. <laughs> but he was like into it. We were painting it and we were making it. We were designing it. We were building it for like a whole day. And at the end of the day, he had himself a, well, what? To him looked like a Bugatti Veyron. And I was like, that's <laughs> the one. Like, you want something? Maybe you can just make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah?
0: Totally. Love that. I think it that's it. I remember like I've got a few toys that I made with my dad out of wood. And I remember like what he would do is he would give me the the like wood magazine that had the 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 project ideas in it, and he'd say Go through it and pick out a project for us to make, and uh, we made That's two cool. things. We made a little train. We made a biplane. And I remember the third thing I asked for, he said no, and I never asked him again. Um. I don't know. Like, was he busy? I can't remember what it was. It was just like, it was just like I, you know, maybe he wasn't excited about the project, which I can understand. It was just, it was a, a, a coat rack that looked like a baseball glove. And I wasn't into baseball. I just thought it looked kind of cool, and I just wanted it on my <laughs> on my wall or whatever. Like he just basically said no, and I never asked to make another project. So, damn. Try, uh, like we've made other things past that, but I just remember, like I never went to that wood magazine again. So if you're if you're doing stuff with your kids, always try and don't say no. That, that's that's crazy. Like go different,
1: right?
3: That's crazy how much of an impression saying no to
1: one thing can make on a child. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. This is going to sound a little strange, um, but you know, a big influence on me for wanting to make as a kid was actually books. Um, like I had a very active imagination, and I would read books like Hatchet and Little House on the Prairie. And other Gary Paulson books, and even like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and it just made me like really want to like create things like they do in these worlds. Uh, like I had this big sort of like infatuation as a kid with like frontier living, like in like the eighteen hundreds, like going out west and building a sod house and all these other things. And so I would just read those books and be like, well, now I want to go build a bow and arrow because uh, the main character of Hatchet does it, and I want to try to do it like that um you know like movies as well like obviously media is a big influence to kids but i think books especially really made me want to make a lot of stuff as a kid
2: for me it was macgyver macgyver was such an inspiration like every sunday it was on and 20 minutes after the show was over me and my brother were making booby traps and we were making like all sorts of stuff in the garden that was the best i have never seen an episode of MacGyver. Oh you you're not missing out on much because if you look back at it as an adult it's <laughs> it's rough it's rough to watch the the mullet uh, as an well. is intense you can almost yeah you can smell almost that hair but um uh what I what I loved about my my childhood was like my my dad it's weird like he's not really a maker he has a a garden shed full of tools And he sometimes makes small things, but he's just like, he just collects a lot of tools, a lot of stuff because he likes to have it all on hand. He doesn't like to borrow things from people. Maybe he buys like a a hedge trimmer and then uses to trim one hedge one time and then that's it. Like he doesn't really make too many things, but there was always like a treasure trove of things in my house just to make things from. And so we would have Legos which only would go so far because Legos are fun but you have to take them down again or or, or it's just it's it's always the form factor of Legos mm. but then there was just always that garden shed of like oh well, what if we can build this and then we would just start projects meme my brother we would start things and just let the imagination go go wild and it was uh that I think was the coolest thing because it didn't have much to do with our parents saying yes or no to things it was just that door was always open if we were out playing and my dad would just be, don't hurt yourself. And then we could basically use all the things in there.
3: Nice. So moving on a little bit, I don't really have any more input about how to get kids in, but I do have, I have a bit of a dream. I think I've talked about it on here before, but I have, I have this idea of starting a, like a weekend class, for kids for woodworking, but it would, it would have to be like a full business, like open up a, a shop somewhere that has like five of each tool and then kids can come in raging on, on ages with a project that they build for like, say an hour or whatever with supervision of like teachers and all that sort of thing, like trying to get kids into making more, trying to get kids into making, I suppose that like, don't have that father figure that's into that or at all sort of thing if that makes sense but so my my son does um this thing called little kickers which is like soccer for little kids and that's what gave me the idea of it i just think it'd be great to like get kids to come in that all have like the same idea have you listened to uh
0: the fools with tools a lot not really no so, Al, from, from that podcast, he does this thing, well, he's done it in the past, where he uh, he takes, like, like figures, and they they make it so that you can build your own, f- like, little figure. Kind of like you're building Legos. Um, and you kind of put them together, and then he makes it so all the different stuff. And it's like these little maker challenges that anyone can come up, any kid can come up and do easily. Um, the... Other thing that that he's done is he's done like this. this kind of zombie, uh, zombie challenge thing where you know the people are going in and and in it, like it's really open and you're just kind of like helping people get their idea. So I think a lot of times with if you want to open it up to people to just a general everyone can do it thing, it needs to be a very open idea open concept because if yeah. it's more than one person like you can't go we're all going to build birdhouses because maybe one kid wants to build a birdhouse and six of them don't
1: yeah
2: there's a super cool project that here in in the city i live in uh, Mechila, the city's name and that never happened due to COVID, but i hope it happens either this year or next year it's like in the in the center of the city there's a big cathedral it's like I don't know, let's say it's a hundred meters high. It's quite big. And they never put a top on it. So the actual sort of spire or whatever you call that, that's on the top of the cathedral was never built because after, I don't know, 300 years of building, the city was like, we're out of money. So the thing never was finished. So they now put like a little, you can walk up there and you can like look out and there's like those binocular things. But some people came up with like, okay, let's get the people of the town involved in making the actual top of the tower, in in essentially what is like cardboard drenched in glue—I don't know what that's called exactly—but they were going to try and make this enormous thing, paper and the whole idea was, yeah, like paper mache, but it's really—it's a lot thicker. Like it's a very strong glue and it's very thick it's cardboard. Like, it's like micarta almost. It's most—it's like mache? that. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Okay. Yes, a cathedral top out of cardboard mache. And um, I, I had signed my myself up with my son back back in the early 2020 um, to do this because they were going to go over a period of 16 weeks and weekends. They were going to get groups of 20 people in, fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, everyone who wanted to, and they could all build parts of it. And I thought that was such a cool idea because then what they were going to do is build that tower up yeah, totally. somewhere do a big party around it I mean of course the top was never going to go on the cathedral but the idea was like as a city of makers let's finish this cathedral and we're going to get there at some point that's cool that's awesome (laughs) it's like a barn raising it is yeah
0: if you yeah if you get everyone in the city involved people will always be inspired by it I think I think that's a really cool idea And hopefully one day uh, that can happen for you. Anyways, I think that was a really great conversation we had. And I think now I'm going to thank our patrons. So I want to thank everyone who supports us over on Patreon. If you want to get more of of us talking, if this wasn't enough for you, uh, you're in luck. There's going to be a pre-show. There's going to be an after show. And uh, you can hang out with us there. We actually do a monthly uh, pre-show hangout where you actually get to be in the call and chat with us. Um, and then after that, we uh, the other thing we do for our patrons is we have a, uh, a keychain that every patron gets or a, a luggage tag, whatever you want to use it for. Um, and we have... Um, oh, that's... Morley's holding up some keychains for the for the viewers at
1: yeah. on YouTube. So so based on some feedback from Jeff, I actually switched up the, where the uh, serial numbers are going. I put them on the front this time because uh, they're not showing up too well in the back. But I think it looks really cool. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: And that's constant a good thing to mention right now.
1: Constant innovation over here at Clampcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, I, another nice thing to talk about. Constant innovation is that we now have a YouTube channel where we're actually doing video. A video podcast. I don't know. Is it a vodcast? I don't know what it is. <laughs> a vodcast. Uh, <laughs> why not? Wait, what's,
1: what does what what the P stand for? in
3: podcast then?
1: Uh, I think it comes from like iPod because that's where yeah. podcasts were originally – because it was like a broadcast but on an iPod. Yeah. Yes. Mm.
0: So it's it's now a video odd uh, cast. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But you can go over to, if you search, like it's hard because we're a small channel. Uh, if you go to YouTube and then search in Grant Adam Morley Clamp, you'll find us, hopefully. Yeah. Get us uh, to 1,000
3: subs so we can get that custom URL.
0: Yes. 100 mm-hmm. subs. Uh, yeah. So we're going to go right into the, clamp Mendations clamp
2: Yes. Um, I, I have someone. It's a it's a YouTube channel of someone that in... I think I'm the only person who calls him that. But in my head, I call him the Adam Savage of Belgium. Uh, the person is called Henk Rekert. He's a Belgian comedian and maker. And he's a big inspiration to me. And his podcast... Sorry, it's a podcast. His um, YouTube channel is called The <laughs> Côte Rê which is a play on the your werkkot basically your workshop and this thing in Belgium or here in Flanders that's called like kotre which is essentially there's a house and then people add on to the house just as time goes on so like there's a, a lot of row houses further on there's like a smaller room and a smaller room and a smaller room and so the, the town and all the areas we live in are littered with this kotre so like small little houses after each other and um he will we'll put a link down in the show notes for it but it, he makes tons and tons of things um all of it's in dutch not unfortunately but it's not as important the things he says but like he makes really cool things and he has a really cool style of of uh, coming up with projects and and coming them coming to fruition so de kotra henk reckert
0: And you're right. You're going to have to go into the show notes yeah. to figure out how to, to,
1: how to spell that. that,
0: unless you yes. unless you happen to speak Dutch, because uh, there's a lot of letter combinations that don't normally happen in English.
2: There's an I uh, and a J that make a weird sound that yeah. it's just it sounds like it looks like Russian, but uh, it isn't.
0: Yeah, and there's an A and an E together as well, which I don't often see. Mm. Uh, anyways, yeah. Yeah,
3: I Thank went you to type the, into the show notes as you were saying it. I was like, there's no way I'm spelling that. <laughs> uh,
0: Morley, what are you going to recommend everyone else put in their clamps today?
1: Uh, so I wanted to give a shout out to Kevin Raposo. Um He just started, not just, but he, he's been working on it for a while. And he recently started this online photography and videography course. Um, Adam, you actually might be interested in it with Wanting to work on your uh, photography skills, we actually interviewed yeah. him on Into the Spotlight last week. Um, he did his Masters of Media Production with Ryan, so that's the how they know each other. Um, and it's he's a small channel, a YouTube channel, um, but his videos are super good. I was watching a couple last night before we started recording, and uh, I actually like was a little late because I was like really into his like eight tips for shooting better video, like simple tips for shooting better video on your phone. Um, he, he was like a freelance, he still is a freelance photographer for like 10 years. He's done like sports photography, all sorts of other stuff. Um, and yeah, he kind of has that like Marquise Brownlee, is that his name? The tech reviewer. He has that sort of vibe and very polished. Um, it's always cool seeing like photographers make YouTube videos because even when they first start their channel, it's like very, it looks really, really good. Um, so I'm, I'm wishing him all the success and, uh, his, his YouTube channel could definitely, Get some more love, Um, yeah. And he has a full course as well. If you're interested in, in really doing a deep dive, he's a nice guy. Cool. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, it looks good. It is. I do. I agree with you that often these photographers make beautiful videos. Yeah. Or even these videographers, whoever, whatever they do, they make these beautiful videos, and I look at mine and I go. Why do I even try? Uh, (laughs) Well, it's such a rabbit hole. I'm doing something completely different.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, it's funny. Like we were were talking about this as well last night. Um, Like photography and videography has become so widespread that like so many people now use it as a tool. Um, So it's really interesting to talk about like the craft itself, because it's kind of a conversation that you don't have very often now, because it's something that we really take for granted. Um, And it's like even though everyone has a camera in their pocket, like I still see some really terrible Instagram accounts and just like the mere fact that like, I can't figure out what the subject of your picture is like, what am I supposed to be looking at here? <laughs> um, There's a lot of just like, yeah. there's a lot of basics in photography yeah, that people cool. just don't really bother to learn. So it's interesting. It's true.
0: Yeah. Well, good, good recommendation. Um, for me, I'm going to put in, I'm going to tell everyone to go watch uh, David Parker. Uh, he is a guy in New Zealand um, who likes, uh, among other things, but he likes building canoes, or at least he's built a few of them. Um, he's built some uh, Bear Mountain Boats canoes, so they're uh, Ontario. If you're into Nick Offerman, you would have known he's he filmed their how-to video with Jimmy Duresta. Um they did that a long time ago. You, you can get a VHS copy of that if you're interested. Or they have a DVD as well, but it's how to build their boats. It's really kind of cool. But uh, in his latest uh, building a boat, he uh, obviously goes through it, but he shows you how to do it without stapling. Um, so Bear Mountain Boats suggests you do uh, staples, and staples just hold it in place until the glue dries. So he did it a different way where you uh, basically use C-clamps and then and wedges. So it's kind hmm. of cool. And uh, he also built a paper boat, uh, which is like, you know, it's fiberglass and it's fiberglass cloth and, and paper, but it looks, it looks kind of cool. Cause he built it from the book, how to build a canoe. And then the author of the book actually commented on the video.
1: That was a project I always wanted to do as a kid is like, make my own canoe. Um, and yeah, never got, I'll do it at some point in my life, but I didn't get around to it before I uh left for university.
3: I could, I could not imagine the stress of building a canoe.
1: Well, I think the interesting thing about canoes is you can make them incredibly simple. Like a canoe can just be a wooden frame with a tarp around it um, right. or or a dugout canoe, right? Like you can just get a log and start burning it out.
0: So In our frosh week, which is like our first week of school when I was in engineering, they have a boat building competition where we then go in the Rideau Canal and we have to use the boat that we built. And we're all the only thing we're given is three rolls of duct tape, and everything else has to be found material. Yeah. We built a piece of garbage with some melamine, basically. Um, But the winners of that year took sheet metal. And built a canoe, and they kicked butt. And all it was was some like sheep melded folded over and duct taped at the front and back. And that obviously duct tape's not going to hold forever. But they they built a canoe overnight, and it was fast. It like twice as fast as the as the next like raft, which is what everyone else built. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, this, is, this is giving me some project ideas because I got a, a pop riveter a while ago for like one project that I haven't touched since. And uh, I'm thinking about Jacko's airplane wing desk in that sort of look.
0: Yeah. yeah, Rivets are cool. They I like are. rivet. That's why I named my dog rivet. Uh, Adam, what are you clamp mandating?
3: So I'm clamp mandating something different. Uh, so it is called a pull-up power tower. And essentially it's like a, a power strip that is like inset into
2: a surface.
3: You push a little button and then you can pull it up and essentially have a power strip, but it's hidden when you don't need it. Now I saw this in a video and thought it was such a good idea. And I have a great idea for what I'm going to do with it, but I don't want to say what that is yet, but I think it'd be really cool to integrate into like the top of a workbench. Mm -hmm. So you could have power at all times. Um, mm-hmm. mine's going to be, I'm going to be putting one in my workbench, but it's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be in the top.
1: It's an interesting alternative to what I think is the, the kind of go-to solution for that is, is having those coils hanging from the ceiling of extension cords that people pull down. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. It's like a Iron Man workshop style. Very yeah. classy.
0: So
3: the one that's going to be linked in the show notes is like a hundred bucks, but I found one on eBay for like 30. So. Cool.
0: Yeah, I've but, seen them on Amazon as well.
3: Yeah. I always wanted to have like, you know how you get like a um, a hose reel on like a retractable thing? Yeah. I always wanted one of those like an extension cord, but they're like over $100 and I just can't justify paying that much for an extension cord.
0: I have one. It's awesome. Totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, there you I, go. But it would be. <laughs> but, I, yeah. but the
3: thing is with, with my workbench, if I put one of these in, I think I'll have power everywhere I need it anyway.
0: Yeah. Until you have to, like, I use mine for doing like, uh, my anything out in the driveway. So it's great for that. Like I need to charge the, my car battery. I the only, tool,
3: the only tool I have that requires power is a miter saw, uh, a circular saw.
0: Yeah. Anyways, great, great recommendation. I definitely want to put one of those in my workbench yeah. better than what I currently have or <laughs> in a desk would be great. Um, yeah. So at this point, we would normally go into people reviewing our clamps. but We don't have any reviews, so instead, we're going to give a, a tool tip. So, where anyone got a tool tip or a, a hack or a thing? I know I forgot to we forgot to go over this earlier, but I think we can just put Eve on the spot and he can do
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that one, uh, tool tip. Well, I don't really have any specific tips of like, uh, any, what, what's the word for it? Like, I don't have any like groundbreaking ideas, but I only recently discovered the concept of like sharpening things with what do you call it? Those stones that you make wet, wet stones. Yeah. Well, thank you yeah, it's as easy as that um because i had a hand plane for the longest time and it's like grant was talking about those baby hand planes in kids tools that don't uh, that don't get sharp and i had a hand plane and i used it for five minutes and i was like this is a piece of sh-. and then i realized but wait a minute they come from the store they're never that sharp i've heard people talk about this so i bought a very cheap stone two grits on each side and i started sharpening them and you're going through the laborious task of sharpening a um, what do you call it? You're sharpening a chisel and you're like, this is never going to work. This is never going to work. And then I run it over my workpiece, and in like 10 seconds, it was flat. And I remember just, I stopped and I stared at all the shavings and for like a millisecond, I was like, this is a superpower. And that's just it. I think yeah. you guys mentioned <laughs> it before, like sharp tools. Oh my God, everything just changes over over overnight or, or, or like, it just changes the whole game. You get reinvigorated yeah. and i'm like and now i want a nude saw blades on everything and i want to i want to sharpen the world <laughs> <laughs> i
3: remember I the, the first time i sharpened my my planer and stuff and i was just like wow like beforehand it was just so crap and you you watch people like wood by Wright who uses only hand tools and like all i think is like i could not imagine how hard it must be on the body to like do all that work but then you sharpen your planer and you're like wow like this is amazing like it it's like not as nice through like, butter yeah like it's not as hard work I mean, it's hard work but i mean it's not as hard as what it needs as what you think it's going to be and if you have a if you have a very sharp planer like you can get a
2: pretty much perfect surface
0: mm-hmm. oh, and good tip Sharp tools.
2: <laughs> and one more thing, like I have it, it's just because I have it here. Like I have rolls of these, um, what is it? It's gaffer tape, right? I have gaffer tape in all different colors and sizes. And they're all, in almost every bag or every place I am, there is some gaffer tape. I use this so much because it sticks very well. You can just easily like rip it with two hands. You can use it to mark things, to hold things. It's the best tape on planet earth. And yeah, that's my tool tip, gaffer mm-hmm. tape. Well,
0: there you go. Well, first, I want to say thank you to TF Turning for our theme song. And then I want to say thank you to Eve for coming by. Where can everyone find you, Eve?
2: You're very welcome, gentlemen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel mostly. It's called Projects and Things, where I make projects and things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you can find us all on uh, Clampcast. Or clamp everywhere. Sometimes it's clamp cast, sometimes it's clamp. But we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now YouTube. And uh yeah, thanks everyone for joining us this week. It was a great conversation.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Eve. You're very welcome. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: really saw much before coming to camera to canada rather is a uh, tuck tape and that was sort of like a running joke at uh, the lodge i worked at because like we had this like variety of tapes and our conclusion was that tuck tape is like the best all-around tape and it's it's very similar to masking tape or no sorry uh packing tape but yes. it's red and it's mostly used for like taping seams and uh like exterior paneling and houses and things but uh um, no. My mind went. <laughs> so that was the joke as well. <laughs> that was the other joke on the main. Same team. here. Um-